Hi friends! Have you been thinking of starting your own podcast? We use Anchor to post our episodes and it offers so many amazing benefits. First of all, it's completely free to use. Yes, it's free. And it also gives you the option to clip your episodes straight from the app or on the dashboard. So it makes it a really convenient one-stop shop. Anchor is also a Spotify program, so that means your show will post to Spotify automatically. And you also have the option to post to any other platform through the RSS feed link. This gives you full range of all the podcast platforms to get your show out there. The best part is that Anchor gives you all the analytics directly linked to their platform. So you can post, edit, and track your show's progress all in one place. So try Anchor today for free now at anchor.fm. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What's up, guys? My name is Sam, and I'm the creator and host of Creme de la Crime podcast. The mission of this show is to bring awareness to unsolved missing persons cases from all across the country. In the United States, 600,000 adults and children are reported missing every single year. Although most are quickly found, there are still tens of thousands that remain missing for more than one year. As of 2022, there are still more than 17,000 unsolved missing persons cases and 13,000 unidentified body cases across the United States that remain open. For the first year, I'm going alphabetical order by state and talking about cases involving all ages, races, and backgrounds. Don't forget to subscribe and join me every single Thursday to hopefully help bring these people home. Creeps and freaks. Creepies and freakies. <laughs> freakies. <laughs> Welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast. My name's Michelle. Oh, we're throwing names Yeah, okay. maybe we'll do our names again. Okay. I'm Courtney, in case y'all didn't already know that. For new listeners. What's up? <laughs> but we are usually a weekly true crime podcast, but we do like to do some spooky, spooky, spooky shit sometimes. And, uh... I will be here for comedic relief. <laughs> I'm here all week. I'm here all week, guys. Here all week, friends. I will sign autographs. Just send them my way. <laughs> Sounds about this. right. <laughs> anyway, the uh, ad that you heard at the beginning of the episode, or trailer, if you will, is from our lovely friend Sam Woo-hoo! with Crime Daily Crime Podcast. Tell me some Sam. She's a beast, and she's a precious angel, and we love you so much, Sam. And we're just constantly so impressed by you, your work, everything that you do. So about her podcast, she highlights missing persons cases. There are some cases that she'll highlight that technically did have someone convicted, but it still is like there's question in the air. Um, But her research is so in-depth, and the way that she presents the cases is just like, it's like reading a novel. I I feel like when I listen to her podcast, it's like I'm listening to an audiobook, and I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good way to put it. It's so good. But also, like, her Instagram, she has a whole aesthetic going oh, on. so nice. I love it so, so much. So clean. Yes. And, you know, we just aspire to be like her. So, Sam, we love you, girl. Absolutely. And, yeah, thank you for being our 
podcast friend and this wonderful podcast family that we have. And everyone, please go listen to her podcast. Seriously, you won't regret it. It's so good. And we'll have all of her details linked in the show notes. Facts. Other than that, we don't really have any other business to cover. Oh, yes, off the we top. do. We have a we have a new Patreon. Oh, we do. Yes, I forgot. So, um, surprise story. Courtney and I have recorded this episode already, and then I went to go edit it, and my computer was like, "Audio file not found." <laughs> yeah, it like ate it like Pac Man. Just our one audio line. The, the other audio snippets and the recording are there. Just our one with our voices making talk talk. So cute. Love it. Love it so much. Stupid. Um, so yeah, but we do have a new patron, Katie, with Malice and Mocktails. We love her so very much. So much. Seriously, she is such an incredible human. And we're not going to get into her business, but just go and send her your love. She's got a lot of stuff going on. So just go follow her. Go send her your love. Listen to her podcast. It's so good. She is on a little tiny bit of a baby break right now. But other than that, she's got a good backlog of episodes at least for a while to hold you over yes she's also extremely impressive and her stories are so great and she's just yeah i just love her and her mocktail recipes are so good i know we were supposed to make one the other night and it didn't happen i know i actually have the stuff to make it now because i got i didn't get club soda but i got sparkling water and it's 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 good so yeah i might have to get on it yes (laughs) but we'll also link katie's uh info in the show notes as well absolutely yeah but now aside from that we don't really have any other business to attend to no which means uh you've got to lead us in with our weekly uh fuckery i sure do so this is not a now fuckery this was a previous fuckery but this is like just as so fucking great. Um, you like shoved your hand right up just as his so ass great. when you said that. You're like, <laughs> Maybe I did. It's fine. Anyway, so um, I feel like any true crime buff knows who R.J. McLeod is. McLeod, how the mm-hmm. fuck you want to pronounce POS. it? P.O.S. Yeah, Doesn't I don't matter care. how we announce yeah, it. I don't give a, he's a P.O.S. A flying rat's ass. Um, but he had murdered his girlfriend, Crystal Mitchell, back in 2016, and he has been on the run ever since. And there's been plenty of spottings of him and everything else, but police haven't been able to catch him. I feel like it's been a lot of jurisdictional issues and stuff because he's been in South America primarily, Um, but they actually were able to apprehend him, or in Central America, sorry, I think he was in South America at one point. He was in South America as much as I know up until he he got got caught. Yeah, he got caught in El Salvador. Um, so he was actually one of the 15 most wanted for the U.S. Marshals. And he was actually the first U.S. Marshal to ever end up on that list. Ooh. Yeah. Definitely not something to be proud of, kid. Exactly. Exactly. So he's a piece of shit. Um, he, like we said, murdered his girlfriend, Crystal Mitchell. She was literally, she had so much potential in her life and she had so much ahead of her. And just a beautiful soul inside and out, as far as I've ever read about her. Maybe that'll be a case that we'll cover as well another time. But it's (laughs) flap number one. Hi. (laughs) Good boy. Thank you, Winnie. Um, But other than that, it's wonderful that he is finally caught so he can... Get justice the shit the that's coming to him exactly, <laughs> and her family can finally have this last piece of closure. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, very happy for them, and so freaking ecstatic <laughs> that they caught this dude. And he was 
huge. He was a mammoth dude. He's like 5'11", I think 245 pounds at the time. And when they caught him, he's definitely not as buff and he had a beard. So he looked a little bit different, but I feel like you can still tell it's him. But Yeah, he didn't try very hard. Yeah, but he was an absolute douche canoe, so. Oh, I'm okay with I it. hope he rots. Um, I think he will. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. But that's the weekly fuckery, non-fuckery. You know, we got a mix today. I'll take it. This week. And run with it. Yeah. So, I already know, but what do you have for us today, girl? This week? <laughs> I'm so salty that our first recording I know. didn't come through. It's okay. Hey, we got a long... This happens to everyone, and we got a pretty long way in before this happened. <laughs> True. I guess if you think about it, all of our podcast friends at one point yeah. or another has had this happen. So. <laughs> exactly. Because technology can be a finicky bitch. We all know this. No, I think it's just spooky season, so it's fucking with yeah. us. Yeah. And we were just already off our schedule last week, too, so I think we were both just like... Damn it! <laughs> and we recorded the episode at the end of a really long day anyway. True. True. <laughs> so, it was a very yeah. long day. Yeah. Oh, but this case is so great. We need It we is need good. It, to it needs posted. to be talked about and yeah. it needs to, you know, get a lot more ears on it because I didn't know about it until I watched it mm-hmm. on uh, People Investigates. Yeah, I don't think I had heard about it either before I saw that episode. Whew. All right. So, I'm taking Whew. you all over to uh, <laughs> Craig, Alaska, which is... BFE cold for me, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of BFE for Alaska in general. Probably. <laughs> like, in cold. Alaskan standards. <laughs> I know. And it's a, it's a coastal town that's about a thousand miles south of Anchorage, mm-hmm. if that helps anybody. Um, and its economy is basically rooted in fishing, in the fishing community. Yeah. And see, that's so crazy, because I feel like that would make me nervous <laughs> to have an entire town's economy rooted solely on fishing, but there are a lot of towns that do that. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean... Props. On the East Coast, too. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. No, I'm good. <laughs> um, so, this is where, like, fishing vessels would come in, they'd deliver fish, and then the, it would be processed in the town. And they still do that till this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's a very, very small town, but during fishing season, the town grows from about 900 people to 3,000 to even 5,000 people. That's a huge difference. It's a ridiculously Massive. huge difference. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they've got, like, seasonal restaurants and stuff, too, and, like, what they do for lodging, because if people aren't staying on their boats, if they have to stay elsewhere, I wonder if they have, like, a whole other seasonal tourist kind of thing going That's on. That's a good question, because I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know how they would handle that. I just feel like that's so many more people to handle as a lot than of they people. normally have. Like, I think I would cry yeah. if I was there during seasonal. Yeah. Like, um, if I was working in a restaurant or something. Oh, hell no. <clears throat> Bye. Nope. Go home. Bye. I, I or just, actually, don't go home because we need your fish money. But, we do, but eh. still. <laughs> um, so, Labor Day weekend is actually the final weekend of the season. Mm-hmm. And this is when boats... Basically, Doc and Craig, they drop off their halls, people say goodbyes, they party, you yeah. know, end of season end of celebration. celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then they go home. Yeah. Or they stay like there. Because it's like they have their friends there. that they have during the season, and then they probably don't really see them otherwise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. Right? So, um, this weekend, the docked in the harbor is a boat named the Investor, and you can't help but notice this boat. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's state-of-the-art. It's 50 feet. It's $850,000. Like, Dude. it's a high-end <laughs> fishing vessel, y'all. Right. Like, exactly. 
The Rolls Royce of junkyards is yeah. what people were saying at that's the so time. That's so crazy. Which and is... this is in the 80s, correct? Yes. Yeah, this so that's a lot. 80s. A lot. A lot, a lot of money. That's a lot of... I don't even... That's, that's a lot like, of money now, but that's like... That's over like... 90s. That has to be over a million now. Oh, easily, yeah. Oh. It's crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> for a fishing boat. It's like, for a yacht, I could see that, but for a fishing boat, boat, that's a while. But I mean, if, if you good at what you do... Yeah. You, you can power definitely benefit from it. Yep. So on board of this boat is Mark Colehurst and his wife, Irene, who are both 28 years old. Irene actually just found out that she was newly pregnant with mm-hmm. their third baby. Um, but and they're just babies. And they're babies. Oh, yeah, and their third baby. That's crazy. Yeah. And so their two young children are also with them. So Kimberly, mm-hmm. who's five, and John, who's four. Um, and the family's originally from Blaine, Washington, which is about a thousand miles down the coast. Okay. And I guess it was not common to see commercial fishermen travel with their families in tow. Yeah. Which would make sense. Yeah, I would imagine. So it's like, it's not a favorable environment but at the same time too it's like also missing them for that long that would be rough but that's a long season too yeah i see both ways though facts totally um pretty cool interesting fact is that i irene and mark were high school sweethearts oh and they right after they got married irene decided to join mark in the fishing industry mm-hmm. because they wanted it to be a family business but they wanted to be together yeah, so it seems like they were just a fishing family. It's mm-hmm. like their kids, They probably, that's probably all they really knew, too. Oh, guarantee you. Yeah, that's sweet. I know. I'm like, wow, where is that today? Right. Oh, exactly. Nobody knows what that is today. <laughs> exactly. At least not in our age bracket. No. <laughs> Ugh. Dating sucks, Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Um. So, Mark was actually a very good... Commercial, 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 hashtag first thing that Courtney says, Um, (laughs) commercial fishing, and he had just hauled a 77,000 pound catch of pink salmon, which was $35,000. Fucking insane. That's a big ass catch, y'all. See, I hate fish, so I just, like, who pay that much for it? I get it. Like... People like locks, people like salmon in general. I mean, oh, I love it. Yeah. I just cooked salmon the other day. Oh, I slapped that shit so hard. Oh. <laughs> Slap that salmon and color Sally. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all don't know, that's one of Courtney's favorite lines. It is. Slap my ass and call me Sally. <laughs> so good yes okay so <laughs> now that we all know courtney's provocative word choices um <laughs> mark was 16 when he started fishing on his own and he was an entrepreneur and he kept working to get better at his skill mm-hmm. so 16 is when he started fishing by himself seriously like the work ethic in him is insane is phenomenal yeah like chef's kiss at 16 years old to be like this is what i want to do they're like, okay, bye. I'm going to go fishing. Like, <laughs> right. My mom would be like, well, I guess I'm never seeing her again. Like, <laughs> looking off into the sunset. See you over the horizon. Uh, I don't see her. <laughs> oh, she got lost. Oh, well. If you guys don't know, I also get lost very easily. <laughs> it's a problem. The only reason I know how to tell directions is because of the mountains, so... <laughs> Well, as you found out the other day, I fucking suck at that. Even with the mountains. It's okay. It's not my thing. I'm not a directional person. It is. All right, girl. 
So, in addition to the Colhurst family being on the boat, they had four crewmen uh, who were Dean Moon, Chris Heyman, Jerome Kion, and Michael Stewart. And mm-hmm. they were all between the ages of 18 and 19, pretty much just trying to get some money because they're all about to head off to college. Like, babies just about to start their lives, man. Babies, man. Yeah. But, like, mad props that they're choosing to do fishing, commercial right. fishing. Like, that's not an easy job, yeah, it's and it's hard not work. a simple job. Like, yeah, good for them. Kicking ass. Good for them. And honestly, smart to hitch their wagon to him, because they're like, obviously, he's getting all the money. Facts. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on September 28th of 1982, the investors docked, and the family and crew go to celebrate their haul, the end of the season, mm-hmm. and also, it was Mark's 28th birthday. Just a so, baby. Just a baby. A little baby. No baby. I'm just a baby. I'm just a baby. <laughs> um, they decided to go to a local restaurant and have a celebration at the dinner there. Yeah. Uh, go back to the boat. Go to bed for the night. Nobody really thinks anything else yeah. of it. Sounds like a fun night. Sounds like a good night to me. Turning in after fun. Mm-hmm. So, around 2 a.m., a friend and local fisherman, Larry Demert Jr., is woken up by popping noises. Mm-hmm. He says he was awoken out of a deep sleep, not very lucid, and that he looked through the porthole and he saw a dark figure moving across the decks or the docks, and then he went right back to sleep. Of course, Larry. Just go back Larry. to sleep. Hope you have a nice slumber when some shit's going down. Right? Whatever. Larry. I personally couldn't fall back asleep with that. I know. I'd be like, um, I don't like this. What's happening? So the next morning, you know, the universe is kind of speaking at this point, and there's a very dense fog that moves in so bad you can't even see the boat dock yeah. next to you. Like, that's some thick ass fog. Yeah. And that's eerie as shit. <laughs> but I love Hibis. it. <laughs> my my dark hearted soul just loves it. Yeah, I just picture it and I'm like Spooky. I love it. Um, So the fog starts to lift and people can tell that the investor has moved from the dock and it's just floating. Yeah. Which is not common in a a dock or even in the bay to get into the dock. Like you don't just float freely. That's usually. Especially a boat like that. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it does this for about two hours, which catches a lot of people's attention. They're intrigued by it, and they're kind of sitting there watching. Did no one be like, maybe we should investigate? <laughs> they just leave it for two hours. They're like, eh, it's fine. You know, I mean, I would agree, but I'm actually probably happy that they didn't, because the next thing you know is there's a boom. Yeah. Yikes. The silence is gone, and the boat is engulfed in a series of explosions that happen to have... 30-foot flames on them. Holy shit, man. That's insane. The fire was so intense that the firefighters couldn't even get close enough to fight the fire, and they basically had to let it burn down to, like, a point to where they could even get close enough to finish putting it out. Dude, as a firefighter, I would feel so helpless. But it's like, you can't. If you can't get that close, you can't get that close. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, my gosh... Just, and it's you start to panic, right, yeah. at that point, because you're like, we have this boat, it's on fire, it's clearly leaking stuff into right. the water, like, right. there could be people on board, we don't mm-hmm. know what's going on, and all they can do is just watch it burn. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's like watching your house burn, almost. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Dude. 
Um, so police began assessing and going through the wreckage um, because they ended up having to tow the boat to land after mm-hmm. they had gotten the fire out because it'll sink otherwise. Fun yeah. fact. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know. I didn't either. Good to know. Um, so they start assessing the wreckage and they start recovering bodies. And okay. in the pilot house of the investor, they find four burned bodies, which did include a small child, unfortunately. Maybe. So, at first, police think it's an accident, you know, that took the lives of the family mm-hmm. and the crew, but it becomes apparent real fast that that's not the case because the bodies have bullet holes in them. See? If Larry would have investigated Larry, <laughs> so just going back to bed, Larry, take your little baby bitch nap, Larry. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing that made it very clear it wasn't an accident and that it was a murder is that there were lots of signs of arson here. Damn. I mean, yeah, like, you'd have to use a fucking accelerant for that big of flames. And they do. And the interesting part is that they use a a different accelerant than we we think of. It's Mm -hmm. actually called white gas, also known as leaded gas. And it's different because leaded gas... Or unleaded gas and regular gas tends to lack certain materials. Mm-hmm. This one does not. So it makes the fire way more intense. That's crazy. Than what it really necessarily Do you know where they would have gotten that? Like where someone could get that? I'm sure that there's some boats that take that. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they truly had it just chilling in the yeah. arena at the, at the gassing dock. Okay. I just haven't heard about that ever. And I forgot to ask that first time we recorded this. Yeah. I think <laughs> that they carry both. I think some boats okay. do take unleaded. Others take leaded. So yeah, my sense. guess is that that's where it was. Okay. Unfortunately. Sheesh. So they started to investigate. Investigate. I like that. (laughs) Hashtag number two. We investigate. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Investigate. It's like you're guessing an investigation. An investigation. (laughs) I like it. I made up my own word. Let's investigate. We're investigating, guys. We're not actually investigating. We're guessing, but we're saying we're investigating. Investigate. We're like Sherlock Holmes over here. <laughs> here for it. Here for it. Um, so they start to investigate the rest of the boat for bodies because um, they know that there's four crew members and there's four family members, but they only have four bodies at this okay. point. Yeah, so they have to find the other half. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. So unfortunately, they have to start sifting through basically ashes on the boat. Which hurts my heart and my tummy. I know. Simultaneously. So, the four bodies and then the human remains that they do find are sent to the coroner's office. And they find that the four victims that they have, Mm -hmm. the whole bodies of, um, all suffered wounds from a twenty-two caliber. Dude. But there's no other evidence. Yeah. No evidence of struggle, no evidence of strangulation, like... Yeah. And that fire was meant to destroy any oh, evidence. absolutely. Because, yeah, especially with that kind of gasoline, with such high temperatures, there's fucking nothing. Absolutely. Jeez. So, over the next few days, Mark, Irene, Kimberly, their daughter, and Michael Stewart are all identified as the four bodies found in the pilot house. Mm-hmm. So sad. 
Um, Mark's sister, Lisa, remembers that when she found out about Mark and his family, she remembers being in so much denial that she would call her brother's house several times in a row in hopes of somebody answering. It's so sad. Like, how devastating. Right. Is That's that? literally like a piece of your heart is missing and you don't know how to live without it. Yeah, because she That's literally so lost sad. a brother, a yeah. sister, a sister-in-law. Yeah. And three babies. That's terrible. Because remember, she's pregnant, and I yeah. count that as a third baby. Yeah, absolutely same. Um, oh, so sad. Mark's other sister, Lori, says she remembered that Irene was pregnant, and she was told that Mark had been found holding her in what looked like a position of protection because the same bullet actually penetrated through both of their bodies and killed them. That breaks my heart, dude. Mm-hmm. That's so sad to just think of what was going through their minds at that point. And clearly they were awake oh, when it happened. Absolutely. You know? It's terrible. I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like to stare death in the face like that. Yes, exactly. And with someone that you love and cherish and right. then you have your child that you love and cherish. Right. And you just have to let it right. happen. But they got he got to go out, you know, trying to protect her. True. And I know that's it's more than what some people can say. Yeah, exactly. It's just so fucking sad. Yeah. Sadly, also, still unaccounted for is their son, John, and then Hi. the other three crew members. Yeah. So, this is a small town, and the people in the community, obviously, for all reasons, are on edge at this point. Like, yeah. the idea of a murderer wandering around your town. Right. When all these out-of-towners... Or in your town. Exactly. Like, it just feels very unsafe, and I can completely understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, obviously, there's an urgency to identify as many people as possible, as Mm -hmm. quickly as possible. And at this point, many of the commercial fishermen have unloaded their catches, and they're already headed back home. Right. Or they're about to. So, rumors in town start coming out that Mark had $33,000 on the investor Mm -hmm. at the time and that someone had killed his family and his crew for the money but a witness actually came forward debunking this pretty quickly because the night of the murders i guess he was at that restaurant with mark and his family Mm -hmm. and he had mark had walked up to him and asked for a hundred dollar loan to cover his birthday dinner right yeah and when investigators started digging deeper into this, they found that Mark actually never took cash payments for his hauls. Like, yeah. he was adamant about having a check sent to him. He did not take that cash straight out. Mm-hmm. So, again, this debunks the fact that he would have any sort of large cash amount yeah. on the boat. It just makes you wonder, though, if, like, the person that did it still believed that he had that amount of cash. Because people are greedy bitches. We talk about this all the time people killing for insurance money for oh, you know yeah. whatever else it's ridiculous well, like thirty three thousand dollars like i know that's a lot but it's not a lot if you to really desperate people it, it is but i agree with you like there's nothing that is worth that ever no. i mean not the lives there's of humans. yeah there's no excuse to ever take a human's life but yeah i get what you're saying yeah completely. it just makes I agree. no sense to me why mm-hmm. that would be worth it yep but all right there are people I, that think it is. That's what's wild. You know what? I'm going to digress on this one. Yep. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so soon after two witnesses come forward, Bruce Anderson and Jan Kittleson, um, they state that on the morning of the fire, they were on their boat and they saw the flame shoot out the windows of the investor. 
And so they hopped into their boats yeah. and, like, took off towards the investor. And as they were doing so, they said that a gray motored skiff was headed towards them. And the person piloting the skiff was just, like, on a mission, for one. And, right. two, they asked him, you know, like, is there anybody in the boat? And he replied with, yep, there is. And just kept going. Dude. And yeah. they thought he was speeding off because he was going to go get help, but clearly he never came back. Mm-hmm. So it seems shady. It's shady. Yep. To say the absolute least. Now, here comes in the part that we both think is kind of funny. <laughs> because it's just it's just so generic, right? Yep. So she describes, well, they both describe this as a young white male, skinny, in his late teens, early 20s, with light brown hair, a baseball cat. And sunglasses. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the most (laughs) generic description. Any other (laughs) straight-laced white male that's just wandering around. And this is the 80s, you guys. So this is like a common look for most of the men in the 80s. Like Like you could see like 20 of those like within two miles, I'm sure. Exactly. (laughs) So it just makes me giggle. But the interesting thing is, is that because this community is so small, everybody knows everybody, and Bruce and Jan did not recognize this man at all. Which is good. Like, that's good to at least be able to say, we don't know this dude, so doesn't appear to be a local, because at least that's a start. Exactly. So, two more witnesses come forward saying that they also saw the gray skiff uh, docked at the marina, and that they didn't recognize the driver either, and their description of him was almost identical to what Bruce and Jan had Mm -hmm. said. So, you have two more people from this community who are like, I don't recognize him, but this is what he looks like. Yeah. Four out of four. Yep. It's pretty big details. Yeah. Just if only it was a more descriptive description. Exactly. (laughs) So, the trooper checked out this, uh, was going to go check out this gift and hoping he could pull some evidence from it, but unfortunately, Mother Nature has a mind of her own, mm-hmm. and it started to rain. Basically, it erased all evidence of fingerprints or any sort of evidence at all that the trooper could honestly pull. Yeah. As the days go on, um, the locals and the police start thinking that the guy on the skiff could have skipped town. Um, so one day, Jerry Mackey, a local rescue operator, goes to the local bar for a break, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yes, do you, boo. Yep. Like, I'm going to get beer on my lunch break. Worry about yourself. It's been a long day. <laughs> and it hasn't even halfway over yet. <laughs> even though he's a rescue operator. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even make that connection either. <laughs> rescue operator but you're gonna have buy a beer at the bar for a break maybe he was just getting a nosh he's just getting okay well snack. and people investigate he had a beer okay <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, that's funny <laughs> but as he's in this bar he notices this guy that fits the description that he's been hearing yeah and <laughs> I'm sure he did I'm right and he's like you know what this beer it's looking real good but that guy I know him Know him from somewhere. Looks like I know him from something. Right. Don't know what, but I do. <laughs> Generic explanation. I got this. Exactly. Um, so he calls the troopers in in hopes that they'll arrive and kind of like get this guy yeah. before he runs. Sweet. But the police, again, small town guys, this is impressive. <laughs> the police not only go to the bar, but bring 
Bruce and Jan along with them, which... They're determined, and I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it, but yep. how the hell did you do that so fast? I know. <laughs> props. Mad props. They have them on speed, though. They do. Hey, can you get down to the bar right now? No. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Cool. See you at five. What's up, dog? Um, they get there, and the police basically ask them... I'm giggling at this. It's just so funny. They ask them to please walk into the bar. Yeah. Turn around. Walk back out. And see if they recognize survey. the do. Like, survey. Just survey the bar, guys. Yeah. Just survey it. Like, Don't worry don't, if you're suspicious. It's fine. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know about you. Are but they going suspicious. like up to every single person? Like, I have right no idea. As far as I know, they just walked in and out. <laughs> I would be the first person to be like, that was weird. Yeah, exactly. That like, was weird. Sketchy, right? Who knows? So they come back out of the bar and they basically say, like, no, that's not the guy. Like, he's not right. who we saw. But, y'all, mad police work in this. Just have to throw that out yeah, now. Yeah, they're like, seriously covering all of their bases. They, they really do. It. So they yeah. are sitting there going, mm, you know, something's still not right. Yeah. So they pull the guy out of the bar and ask him if they can question him. Yeah. So he comes out of the bar and he shows them his ID, which shows that his name is John Peel. He's 24 years old. And he's from Washington State. Mm-hmm. He tells investigators that he's a deckhand on the Libby 8, which is adjacent to where the investor was parked. So they're literally Cute. right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And I said parked like it's a car. It's not a car. It's a boat. But I mean, they're in, in parking, con- docking. Dock yeah. and docking. For all intents and purposes, parking a damn boat. Park that shit. <laughs> but they're docked literally right next to each other. Yeah. Convenient. So close that you can walk from one to the other. Like, you don't even need anything between you because mm-hmm. you're that close. Convenient. Convenient. Yeah. Um, he immediately raises the interest of police because he was so close to the investor that yeah. night. And he says that he had met Mark a few years prior because he dated Mark's sister, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red flags. Red flags. Bing, 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 bing. So, John has such a good uh, rapport with the family, apparently with Mark's family when he was dating Lisa, yeah. that they brought him into the family, and Mark actually ended up hiring him as, uh, like, a deckhand. Yeah. And then, apparently, they had a really good relationship. Okay. Um, at this point, John is obviously a person of interest, but they have no evidence, so they have to let him go. Bullshit. But I get it. I get it. But they're not done, you guys. Again, I said, phenomenal police work Yeah, care. they're doing the damn thing. They are doing they it. They really are. So, they go down and investigate the dock, try to find out more information about him, and they speak with none other than... Larry! Larry. <laughs> this bitch Larry. You guys, we're salty with him because we know why. I know. But... And we were already, like, <laughs> we were already giving so much shit last episode. We so were. We have to, we're the bad. last time we recorded it because... Struggle bus. So Larry is the captain of the Libby Eight. Convenient. Convenient. There's just so much cuteness going on. Just cute, cute, cute. And even more convenient with that is the fact that him and John have been friends since they were seven. Dude. Yeah. So there's that. Red flags, Uh, man. All the fuck around. He said that John was a good worker, experienced, a good Mm -hmm. person, so that's Mm -hmm. why he hired him. Okay. But. Whatever. Right. But, 
But when Larry was asked about John's whereabouts um, the night of the accident, Larry couldn't confirm or deny if John was on the boat. Of course I'm sorry. You're a fucking captain of a boat. Right. And it's not a big one because you didn't have the nice boat. (laughs) Facts. So, How do you not know where all your deckhands are? Right. So it sounds like a crock of bullshit. In my opinion, I agree. And don't get me wrong. I get it. You're not their mom or their dad. You're not responsible for them. But you know if they're on your boat or not. Right. You are on a boat in the water. So either they're like mainland or on the boat. And that's pretty much the only two options. Because it doesn't seem like they all just go boat hopping all the time. Because they all went mainland from the family's boat. I would say definitely not for the night when you turn yeah, in. You're exactly. not turning in on someone else's boat. That right. would make no sense, especially if you're going to go out the next day. Although we don't know what kind of debauchery they're getting into. True. Facts. On these waters. Fair. Debauchery. <laughs> Damn. She threw out that one. Fish debauchery. Fish debauchery. It's going to be a f- show sometime you watch. Um... Larry then tells investigators that he hasn't seen John for the past couple of days. Of course he hasn't. Of course he hasn't. So law enforcement... Can you keep track of your workers, Larry? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, you're killing me. Um, So law enforcement obviously gets the feeling that Larry knows something else. Like, he's trying to keep quiet about something and he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to talk. Yep. Because sketchy all around, man. Now, Larry does state that at the time he was drinking and smoking marijuana and that he didn't want to be known for being a snitch. So, okay. He was wary about saying anything. Whatever, bitch. Whatever. You do know that eight people were just exactly. And like it seems like you're just a piece of shit either way. Like yeah. just looking out for yourself. That's what I see. Which so. is pretty sad and pathetic when you yeah. know that eight people just died and exactly. you probably have information that could help. Right. And I'm sure he knew them as well. Oh, he did. So, yeah. He had just said hi to Mark apparently yeah. right before he went to go eat his dinner. Mm-hmm. So, bullshit. Yeah. So, 12 days after the murder, they held a vigil for the eight victims even though they had not identified the other three members mm-hmm. of the crew or their or the young son. Um the coroner actually really struggled to identify the remains um, of the others because they were found in pieces. Yeah. And so they basically had to put everything through pathology and work with very little body parts at this point, which is unfortunate. It is. It's so freaking sad, dude. But with this, using dental records, the coroner was actually able to positively identify Chris Heyman and Jerome Keon. 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 Say it right, Courtney. (laughs) Jerome Keon. He has a very, very hard name to say. Mm -hmm. Um, The bodies of Little John and the other crew member, Dean Moon, are still unaccounted for at this point. Yeah. And unfortunately, this case goes pretty much cold for the next six months. Like, nothing happens. They can't get any evidence. Like, police are still doing their thing, but... It's so frustrating. They're at a standstill. Yeah. And they really are. They're trying everything that they can. It's just frustrating. Oh, yeah. And with how much comes down to eyewitnesses, that's what makes it so hard. Absolutely. And it's all circumstantial at that point. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, they obviously have no new leads, but then suddenly investigators are flooded with calls saying that Dean Moon's been seen on the fishing docks in San Francisco. Wild. Weird. Yeah. Um, at this point, 
you know, they have to speculate that Dean was involved with the murders, but they have no idea what the motive would be because they were apparently really good friends with Mark and Irene, so it makes no sense. And so investigators go to San Francisco searching for Dean while another group goes to visit Dean's family asking if they've heard from him at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dean's sister, Ava, actually recalls being interviewed by police and how hurt she was by them thinking that her brother could be involved with yeah. the murders, especially of children. That's so hard. And when you know them, and you know that there's nothing they're ever capable of, that's just... It's slander of them, you know? Right. And I'm sure that deep down in their hearts that they knew that it wasn't him that was spotted and they of course know that he wasn't capable of that yeah and they're trying just to do their job but it still sucks at the same time um so the police fail to find dean in san francisco and actually months later all suspicions about dean are laid to rest because the pathology reports actually come back positively identifying dean through dental records of a partial uh, jawbone and tooth fragments Mm. that were found on the boat he had that had to have been like his doppelganger for how many leads they got of people uh, thinking yeah. it actually was him. Oh, it had to be. Yeah, had to be. Because wasn't he the one with like the kind of longer brownish hair? Yeah, and he had the football jersey yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. A super sweet baby mm-hmm. angel. Unfortunately, there's no positive identification of the young little boy John. Mm-hmm. Um, it's thought that the fire had completely consumed him, which yeah, and we sense. mentioned the first time we recorded this, like with you know, littles, like, their teeth aren't, They're you know, soft. You have exactly. to remember their insides are all soft, so their teeth yeah. are soft, their bones are soft. Mm-hmm. Like, I always equate it to, like, a brand new sapling yeah. when you try to bend the twig, you know? Yeah, That's why kids mm-hmm. don't really break bones yep. very easily. They tend to cause stress fractures and stuff but they very rarely break them yeah so it's just that's i think he was just so little there wasn't there wasn't much yeah the teeth wouldn't have stayed intact it's so heartbreaking no it's a bummer so one year following the murders the case goes cold and investigators decide to reopen the case with doing interviews of everyone that they've already interviewed I'm here for it. I'm telling Seriously. you, this police work yeah, was phenomenal. Yeah, go back over your, over your bases. And I feel like they did this especially because they knew that fucking Larry was hiding something. Because oh. it's clear, so blatant that oh. he was hiding something. Absolutely. Good. Um, here for it. So they do end up, like you just said, they end up interviewing Larry again. And the first time that they spoke with him, they felt like he was holding back. And right. So this time when they speak to him, he actually offers up brand new evidence, which... Have you been thinking of starting your own podcast? Try out Anchor. We use Anchor to post our episodes and it offers so many amazing benefits. First of all, it's completely free to use. Yes, I said free. It also helps you so you can upload your episodes straight from your app or your dashboard, which makes it super convenient and a one-stop shop. Anchor is a Spotify program, so that means your show will post to Spotify automatically. You also have the option to post to any other platform through the RSS feed. This gives you full range of all the podcast platforms to get your show out there. The best part is that Anchor gives you all of the analytics directly linked to their platform. So you can post, edit, and track your show's progress all in one place. Try Anchor today for free at anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. So... He tells investigators that the night that this happened to the family, he was walking down the docks at about 10 o'clock, leaving his girlfriend's house. Mm -hmm. 
He saw a group of people on the investor and he said it was well lit up, like they were clearly having a good conversation, just hanging out and chilling. Right. And he said he saw John Peel walk from the Libby 8 over to the investor. And he said that John had not spent the night on the Libby 8 and that he also told investigators that he had guns on his boat that night, but right. they went missing that night. Ironic. Seriously, Larry. One of which being Tell a me. twenty-two revolver and the other being a twenty-two single shot revolver. Both are twenty-two caliber. Yep. Come on. Uh-huh. Dude. He said that he noticed one night that they had gone missing and then they showed up in the wheelhouse, miraculously, oh, when they were convenient. preparing to put the boat away for the season. Dude. Ugh. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Larry was then asked to obviously turn them over for evidence, which he did. At least he did that. Right. Jeez. And then he said he didn't initially know that John was being investigated, but as things progressed, he came to the conclusion that he had to say whatever he knew. Yeah, bro. You were year late on that shit. Yeah, you probably should have come forward a lot sooner before they came and asked you. Exactly. Instead of being a selfish twat waffle. (sighs) So, investigators then interview another crewman of the Libby 8. His name is Brian uh, Palinkas. Mm -hmm. And he tells them that Peel had brought some of the investor crew on board the Libby 8 and claimed that Peel had sold them marijuana and it was to Jerome Keown and... Dean Moon mm-hmm. before the murders had taken place. Right. Interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Also convenient. Right. This information would have been nice for police to know a year before this. Yeah, would have been great. Yeah. So investigators bring Pale in for questioning again, and he starts by admitting that he did sell the weed to Jerome and Dean. But he starts to open up even more, saying that apparently when he was working for Mark, Mm -hmm. he was dismissed from Mark's crew um, because he was smoking pot and drinking while he was on the job. And Mark found that it was unacceptable to do that on the job, which I don't blame him. This is his his livelihood. Yeah, exactly. His money, his boat, his family. I wouldn't, especially because his family's on that boat too. Like his small children are on that boat. Right. Get out of here with that shit, man. Knock it off. Do your job. You're an employee. Do and this job. went on for two to three years, dude. Dude, that's insane. The fact that he gave him that much leeway. Yeah. And from what I hear, like, Mark was really hard to work for because he was a stickler. I mean, yeah. he, he had his career. He was successful for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he allowed it for two to three years of talking to him and yeah. being like, please don't do that, please don't do that. Sounds like he was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. Over and over and over again. Over again. again. But, right. you know, apparently that's not enough for yeah. some people. Yeah, how dare he? Where the hell, man? So, John Peel obviously was fired because he was lazy, wasn't doing his work, he wasn't mm-hmm. showing up to work, he was drunk or high, like, all truly acceptable reasons, in my opinion, yeah. to fire somebody. thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. You're working. It's not like you're just, like, there as a guest on the boat or something. You're there to work. He has yes. every right to fire your ass. Absolutely. Especially if you're not coming even in coherent, right. like... Again, men, learn to deal with your emotions. <laughs> emotions are feelings Some inside of your body. <laughs> you have to learn to compartmentalize them. Work on those feelings, y'all. <laughs> Work on them. Like, I have no feelings. <laughs> I sometimes question myself. No, uh, they manifest their feelings into rage. That's what happens. Oh, true. Fair. You don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I just don't have them. I have one. 
I had yeah. I'm like I have a black soul, so I have one yeah. feeling, and it's hard to hurt. <laughs> um. So the relationship between John and Mark was so toxic that when John was fired, he was actually barred from coming onto Mark's boat, which. Being barred on a boat is yeah. a very big deal. You done fucked up, man. You really fucked up. Yep. Like, it is not a word. It is a true full, like, mm-hmm. do not set foot on my boat. Yep. I will open fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's a big deal. hmm And um, a lot of people feel like it was hard feelings for John with the fact that he was also barred from the boat. Yeah, I'm sure. His wolf feelings, call it. Hmm. His wolf feelings. baby. He has his just little will feelings. Just you know what? Just little feelings. So the firearm results actually come back as inconclusive. So of course, unfortunately, they have to let John go again mm-hmm. and continue looking for evidence. Bullshit, man. I get it. Again, I understand we have laws, people have rights, but ugh. Right. Like, we all know. Right, we do. We all know it's this fucker. Right. It's frustrating. So, in an attempt to keep this case open and keep the people's attention on it, investigators release a composite sketch of the man in the gray skiff and what he looked like. And once the media got their hands on this story, very soon a young man comes forward. Okay. He says that on the day of the murders... He had seen the skiff come up to dock, and police put together a photo lineup of men and put it in front of him, and he immediately points to John Peel. Of course. He's like, that's the dude. Right. Yeah. So on September 10th of 1984, two years after their murders, may I add, um, John Peel is arrested and charged with eight counts of murders. And investigators have to put together an entire case based off of witness accounts and circumstantial evidence. Just think of the gravity of that. Eight counts of murder. Eight. Mm-hmm. That is... Seriously, that's not just a one-off. Like, oh, I got mad at this person and did this. No, you murdered eight people. Eight people. My God. Which is kind of funny that you say that. So, in January of 1985, Peel appears at his arraignment Mm -hmm. in a ski mask. This bitch. Which I think is so funny. (laughs) Um, But actually, he they would have made it, like, a really embarrassing one, but... It just looks like a a winter sweater. Yeah. Is what it looks like. Like a winter sweater that you're knitted or something. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Um, but investigators actually had him wear this because they were worried of a photo of John Peel getting out um, to the witnesses. Right. Because they didn't want to just immediately look at him and be like, yes, that's the man. Yeah. And that's, a, again, totally fair. They're doing everything right. Yeah. I again, appreciate it. Again, we're not in the times of social media, so it yeah. was a lot easier to keep that on the hush-hush mm-hmm. than it would be now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with that, John was facing eight counts of first-degree murder and one count of arson, and each one of those degrees of murder, um, carries the potential of 99 years, and if he's found guilty, he would face 800 years in prison. Bro, that is fucking insane. Yeah. So insane. Mind-blowing, right? Yeah. Like, that is nothing to turn your nose at, at all. That's fucking wild. So, once the trial starts, the prosecution argues the motive of revenge based on the relationship between Mark and John, where Mark had to fire him. Mm -hmm. 
They think that John was mad at Mark, but then the defense speculates that it wouldn't it wouldn't justify killing eight people, two of which technically three are children. Yep. Over something like that. Yep. Like it and I get that. That mm-hmm. actually makes sense. Like yeah, I what agree. are the odds, right? Yeah. Cause it is. It's that's a lot for one person exactly. to carry out. Exactly. Um, so the state's key witness, Larry. As we all know. Larry. Larry. (laughs) Yet again, this is where Michelle and I just get really frustrated with him. He comes to the stand with new evidence, guys. Mm -hmm. Again. New evidence. Seriously. Like, how do you sleep at night, Larry? Truthfully. You're a piece of shit, man. He is. Looking out for A1, this bitch. (laughs) Yeah. So he says that he woke up from a woman's scream... Looked out the porthole, saw John Peel moving across the deck with a twenty-two rifle, and that he in- entered the investor. Dude, that fact that he's just now adding at this trial, oh, I heard this and I saw this, did nothing. Well, and apparently he was so scared that he locked himself in his room. Shiver me timbers, I'm so scared. Maybe you should have said something to the police. Right, dude, seriously. If you were that scared... Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that this dickbag knew that Larry saw all this. Oh, I'm sure he would have tried to hurt him already and be like, hey, dude, forget what you saw. But there's, you know, no reports of that happening. No. Bullshit. So when questioned on why he waited so long to provide this information, I'm going to tell you what he said for word for word. It doesn't even make sense. It makes zero sense, y'all. Even listening to... I had to listen back to this like 10 times and I was like, "Did what did you just say? This what is ridiculous. words are happening right now? It's so weird. So he said, unless you've actually been there and trying to remember every little detail of what you did on a night when you're not trying to remember every little detail at that time... It was going on, nobody would have the ability to do that. I was not trying to lie. I was trying to be as honest as I could. Again, does I don't understand. Yeah, and what that says to me is like, oh, I, I couldn't be bothered to remember everything I saw that night. I didn't want to remember things. Again, you sound like a selfish dick, Larry. Yes, he does. But this left Larry completely open as a target for the defense, and it actually gave of them course. the opportunity to questioned his credibility and Mm -hmm. they busted him in front of the jury and Larry actually admitted his addiction to Valium and that he was using it in excess and Larry states that he was actually sober at the time of the trial but fucking regardless you let your addiction basically keep you from telling investigators what you saw that night and possibly solving the murder of eight fucking people. Yeah because if he would have just fucking said everything that he saw and heard that night then his credibility wouldn't have come into question. They would have found ways to poke holes in it because they would have found out that he was, you know, dependent on pills, that he was drinking a lot, whatever. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, that would be the only thing that they were able to say. Oh, yeah, Rather absolutely. than, oh, he's just now saying all this shit. It, it, I wouldn't... Like, literally, the defense's job is to create reasonable doubt. Exactly. It was easy to do that with him, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, they blew him out of the water. Bullshit. So because of the case lack, or the state's lack of evidence, the defense quickly cast a doubt on each one of the witness testimonies, and it was easy to do because of how much time it took, and all the foggy natures of all the witnesses at the given time. (sighs) 
And unfortunately, at the end of July of 1986, the jury could not reach a conclusion, and it resulted in a hung jury. Fucking sucks, man. But, like we said before, bomb-ass police work, guys. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. state actually doesn't give up, and in 1988, John is actually on trial again, and this time, the prosecution has two new star witnesses. Sheesh. (laughs) Yeah. So, they are two brothers, and they said that they had gone on a fishing trip with John and that he had confessed to the murders. Now, John's attorney, unfortunately, absolutely destroyed this witness's testimony um, as it was revealed that in exchange for his testimony, he would receive a lesser sentence in another case that he was being tried for. It just sucks so much because that could have been avoided. It could have. I hate it. It could have. So much. And unfortunately, John was found not guilty mm-hmm. again. And this is it. This is what's considered this is it in the case. Like, he's already had a hung jury and now he's found not guilty. Therefore, he can't be tried again. Which is very unfortunate. Seriously, like, it's so fucking frustrating. But, um... Lisa and Lori, who are Mark's sisters, they are still haunted by the deaths of their brother, their sister-in-law, their niece, and their nephew, and then their unborn niece or nephew coming in. And so in 2016, they wanted to seek closure in the only way that they felt that they could, and they asked to sit down and talk to John Peel face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Which... Strong. Strong, strong women. Because yeah. I would punch a bitch. Exactly. I like, I would not have the restraints at all. No, I would be a very evil person. Yeah. Um, so Lisa told John, and remember, Lisa's the one who dated him. Yeah. So she said, I feel very strongly that you have information you aren't giving me, and in some way, you you were involved. She said that he looked her straight in the eyes and said, I didn't do it. Bullshit. So then Lori asked him, who do you think murdered them? And he said, I don't have anybody I can think of. Lori responded with, no... Right then and there, I knew he may not have pulled the trigger, Mm -hmm. but I think he had a very big part in it. thousand percent. Lisa left John by saying, if you have anything, I need you to bring it to me. And unfortunately, they haven't heard anything from him since. And at the time of this, the two trials against John Peel were the most expensive in Alaska state history, costing more than $2 million. And unfortunately, also today... Um, the Alaskan Department of Public Safety considers this case closed and tried. It's so frustrating. Just to know, like, everyone knows that he did it. Oh, But it's easily. literally just the fact that they cannot prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And they could have gone, but that's the thing. It's like, the literally, the only circumstantial evidence is they that they have is other people's accounts. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything else. And if those, that couple that had seen him first would have fucking recognized him in the bar, it'd be done. It would be done. Yeah. Yeah. It would be completely put to bed. It sucks so bad. And And, uh, all of their families just, they deserve so much more than that. You know. I hope it haunts him, stupid John Peel and Larry, both of them. I hope it haunts them. For the rest of their miserable existences. Well, we talked about it last time too. Like, I feel like... I would agree with uh, Mark's sister, Lori, in the fact that I don't think he's the only one involved in this. He literally had to manhandle eight people, two of which are children, but what is it, four of them are men? Right. Yeah. 
And they were all, like, they were spread out on yeah. the boat. It's like, not like they were all, you know, in one spot or something, and he had just scared them and all. And how do you detain four in one place and exactly. four in the other place and take them all out and blow up the ship? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's the only one involved. It honestly makes me wonder if Larry had something to do with it, too. You and me both. Yep. It's, oh my gosh, this one just makes me rage. It really does. It's annoying. It's so sad. It's just disgustingly tragic. Always. Well, thank you for presenting that case again. (laughs) I got you, girl. I got you. Yeah, this one definitely needed to get out, so I'm glad we were able to re-record quickly. So, yeah. Sorry we're a little late, friends. Only one day, you know? Only one day. We're okay. We're okay. Yeah, man. It's just a Wednesday. Our schedules have just been really, really off, guys. So they have with us. Yeah. It's been a little tough to juggle everything right now. But we just gotta get into a new flow. And that's it. Facts. And I think we can. I have no doubts. Yeah. We've got this. We've got this. But if you know anything, I mean if you live in Alaska and there's anything that you might know pertaining to this case or even if you think you know it it's there's never bad information to get oh absolutely not ever and if you guys do have any information or you know somebody who has information or you just know somebody that lives up there maybe they might know information send the podcast their way and have them listen and see if they Mm -hmm. somehow we can't break this case back open yeah yeah because they just need something else because if john didn't do it by himself there are other people that can be brought to justice and it sucks so bad that he can't but there still can be some justice served i would agree a thousand percent with you on that well that's what we've got for you today little chickens kitty cats (laughs) chickens and cats now chickens and cats i usually say kitty cats they're little chickens today there are creepies and freakies creepy chickens and creepy freakies Creepy chickens and creepy and freaky chickens, I guess. Cats. Okay. Creepy chickens and freaky cats. Yeah. Okay. Dig it. Here for it. it. Anyway, um, we just kind of want to wrap this up because we've just done this already way too many times. (laughs) I'm over it. So, if you want to send us your case suggestions or you have a story of your own you'd like us to tell, please send it over to us at in the nick of crime podcast at gmail.com. Even if you just want to talk to us, discuss a case or whatever, email us. Or you can also send us a message on our socials. We're on Instagram at Nick of Crime Podcast, all spelled together. We are on TikTok at in the nick of crime podcast, all spelled together as well. And lastly, become a patron. Right now we are doing monthly bonus episodes and we also post the main episodes the night before they would normally drop and also ad free. So some perks there and we're also dabbling with some other stuff to do for patrons. Some lovely little perks. Yeah. But our patron, our Patreon page, sorry, is patreon.com slash in the nick of crime. So with that, I'm going to say keep it freaky and... Wait, keep it creepy and stay freaky. <laughs> you messed me up with the chicken. <laughs> creepy chickens and freaky cats. <laughs> keep it creepy. Stay freaky. And we will see you guys for real next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.